Hello, my name is Alexa. Welcome to the Amazon Alexa podcast. Skill programming. The Internet of Things. Artificial intelligence. The future of voice recognition technology. Let's begin. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 27 of the podcast. In this episode, I talked with Chris Murrow, who's a senior producer for Alexa Games at Amazon. We chat about the current state of voice-first, voice-driven gaming, where we see that headed, where we're seeing success, and Chris offers what I think is some very unique lessons learned that he's seen across uh, engagements from players uh, in lots of different games. And we discuss some of the more um, engaging games that we've seen lately. So I hope whether you're a gamer or you're a developer or you just enjoy hearing about the latest in Alexa skills, I hope you enjoy this episode. I also have a treat. I do have the uh, the preview audio for a, uh, think of it like a, a voice-driven game trailer. So it's for Starfinder, and I'm going to play that at the end of the episode. So stay tuned after the closing credits if you want to hear what a voice game trailer sounds like. Hello, Chris. Good to chat with you again. Hey, Dave. Great to chat with you. It's been a minute. It has. And uh, I mean, we've talked through emails and other things tangentially, but when we were together, uh, was at Voice over the summer, correct? And we, we launched new tooling and we had uh, The Sims, which my little one is actually using The Sims gaming skill. That's awesome. Uh, on a yeah, she's super into it, man. And um, what's funny is, so I've been a gamer all my life, right? And, um, and gosh, so now, and uh, let me think. So I started on the Atari 2600. Nice. So I, I have been gaming for 36 years, man. Yep. Um, every day for at least an hour. I, I do not lie to you. Um, so I live and breathe this stuff. And to see my kids, so like The Sims, so I have them on Xbox. I used to work uh, um, at Microsoft and I worked on Xbox and stuff. And so they've just been raised on like that side of things. Yep. Uh, even though I, I'm, you know, I have PS4 and everything else too, but they're on Xbox, so they're playing Sims on Xbox. She was super excited about the Alexa skill, and this is no lie. Like last week, she comes to me and she's like, "Dad, I want to get the Sims off of Steam," and I'm like, "Why? You've got all this investment in Xbox," and she's like, "Mods, baby, mods," and I'm like, "Oh, it's starting." Yep. I'm like, "Do I let her on the PC version?" And and it's just. What it got me thinking about was like gaming is just like a philosophy for me. It's like the way that I kind of disconnect from the everyday BS, right? And to be able to bring that wherever you are in all different form factors, it's like I haven't seen anything new. I mean, even some of the stuff that you see with the Switch is it's unique and all, but it's not like this completely different experience the way that voice games have been and that is like in the car and the auto i've been telling people this i've been saying auto is the next smart home and i've been saying that to like 
into game devs, right? It's like, what do you do with smart home as a game dev? You can't do that, right? But I was like, before we went on this podcast, I was looking at Starfinder and the first review there is a dad talking about playing it in the car with his daughter. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's incredible. Yeah. So like you're part of that. You're getting to do the fun stuff. You got the, the, the better job, man. So like, why don't you go back to, I know that was a lot. I just said, why don't we unpack that a little bit? Why don't you just start back to summer, which is really like when we first launched some of this tooling and people started to see gaming and, and what you've been up to and like what kind of came out of that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So you know, summer, so that was, you know, end of July. So we, you know, at Voice Summit there, we launched Skillflow Builder, which is this, you know, tool designed to, to sort of help folks that are building skills, uh, specifically game skills, and, you know, make it easier for you to sort of pass between, you know, you've got your, your developer, your coder, who's, you know, working on the game logic, you know, working on the skill code, and go, you know, the, but the designer is over here, you know, working in some other program. And, and so what we wanted to do was make it so that it was easier for those two, you know, sort of functions to work together. Because what we saw as we were building, we built a skill called Choose Your Own Adventure with Audible uh, last February, actually Which right about right about this time. Won the, and congrats on the award. Oh, you, thank uh, you very much. Yeah, it from was the uh, Project Voice. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty, it's pretty awesome experience, and and I think that was what, you know, when we started to see, man, uh, you know, if if you're building a really interactive skill, something truly narrative driven, um, it's it's really difficult, and so that's kind of where Skillflow Builder came from, and out of that, we've seen, uh, I think we're up to twenty now, you know, third party developers take Skillflow Builder and really just push it as far as it can go. So the, there's a skill called 3%, uh, the 3% now it's out by, uh, yes, Do- Tokyo games. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Um, also the Sims stories, uh, by electronic arts. Um, there's also, a, there are a couple of others, like, um, there's a game out called, uh, the cursed mirror, which is really interesting. Just kind of this, um, just an interesting way to explore. I really like the world that they built. Um, and then there's also uh, Ubisoft released a skill called Is It Love, which is more of their sort of uh, classic kind of a romance type skill. Um, so that's kind of on the on the tooling side. Now, you know, unbeknownst to, well, you know, we couldn't really talk about it at, at uh, Voice, but we had Starfinder sort of percolating because what, what had happened is, see, what happened was <laughs> we, we saw Choose Your Adventure people were just really engaging with it. And so we said, okay, well, you know, Choose Your Own Adventure has a couple of things that, uh, you know, are, are just a little more limited. You know, that you get two choices, you know, every, every time, right. you know. Um, you get, uh, you, there's, no char- there's no sort of sense of persistent character, right? Like you get who you get when you, when you open the book. Um, right. And it's, it's, there's no sort of cast of voices, we just had them sort of professionally narrated. And so we said, well, you know, what if we were to apply, you know, sort of mechanics, game mechanics that, that you know, are, are tried and tested, you know, designed towards sort of the engagement and retention, and then built on this, of 
the success we've already seen with Choose Your Own Adventure. And so that's kind of where this, you know, kind of where Starfinder came from. And so we were in the early stages of that at Voice. And then we really sort of hit that in full swing when we came back in, you know, kind of mid-August and then shipped the the first experience in uh, mid-December. Right. And I, so it, it was, I mean, you were there on the ground and I got hit with so many questions of, why is, that, why is Amazon doing this? Are you guys building like like we're going to build Unity or something, right? Like, uh, and I was like, no, I know Chris and his team. Like, they built this to solve a problem, and that's what we do. Like, we just put the tools out there for people to use, yeah, <laughs> to make better skills and yep. to see the reception. You mentioned over twenty third party developers now using that. That's awesome. And I remember, like, early like very on early with Alexa, where we saw hits with customers looking at feedback, looking for engagement were things like the Wayne investigation. You remember that where it was, it was professionally narrated it. When I played that with my kids, it felt like to me, like an old radio show Yep. and you were progressing through, but it's exactly what you said was, it's a short story. It reminded me of like playing Commodore Amiga uh, back in the day. There was these, this um, company called Cinemaware that basically created these games that were like telling a story and the graphics were unbelievable for the time. But you could beat these things in 20 minutes. They're right. kind of like little I- iPad games, right? Yeah. And so yep. it was a, you sat down, you had some time to kill and you went through. And when you looked at that and people looking for more where we started to see developers using uh, the ability to sell premium content so I can go through more stories. I can get more, you know, even, even jeopardy too, with the ability to um, go ahead and play extra rounds, Uh, which was interesting because I was just at CES. There's a a video you'll see out there when I'm sitting in Audi's new uh, e-tron sports car and they they were playing jeopardy. Oh, that's awesome. He's like, I'm going to play again. Yeah. And I was like, how did that just like ties in for, yeah. for the vision? Yeah, it was, it was great. So so to hear you talk about that, seeing that as an actual problem is that the best way I could describe it is it's great to go through a story, but I want to level a character, right? right. It's like that RPG right. progression. Right. And so you started to look at how to do progression in a cast of voices to create and increase engagement and retention, you said, right? And yep. so this is this is now December. For those who haven't seen Starfinder, I'll put show notes links into it. I think you could just say Alexa open Starfinder, right? Yep. And she'll go ahead sure and, uh, and install it. Um, but this is like this what the first time I saw this man, I was blown away because it's like the it's the vision of playing a, like a D&D set of rules, like an actual campaign with but it's not just voice narration, it's sound effects, it's everything and you're actually feel like You've got a DM, if that makes sense, you know, which is always the sucky part as a player is to get a good DM. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I mean, you just you just hit the hit the nail on the head is like, you know, we were, we were looking at four things, you know, as, as we were looking at, you know, wh- what are we focused on in building this experience? And it was like, OK, it's got to be immersive. You know, and we, we need this experience to be um, we want you to feel like you're in this you know, really rich, fantastical science fantasy universe. And then we want it to be emotional. So, you know, we want you, the player, to to get in, you know, emotionally involved in in what's happening around you. And then we wanted you to have agency because, you know, our, our hypothesis going in was that, you know, that, that'll generate some of this uh, engagement. And then also, you know, I want to come back. 
because, you know, because I have this character that, you know, that I've taken on that I feel like represents me. And then finally, and that this was the, you know, just the, the most interesting part was uh, simplicity. So, you know, you reference this this sort of underlying rule set, and it is so. Uh, Paizo Inc., which is a they're a tabletop game developer out in Redmond, uh, Redmond, Washington. They have a, a product called the Beginner's Box, which is designed for you know you you buy it, and it's a great product by the way. Like it, everything that you need to start a game, it you know it's got it in the box to include right. this really simplified rule set that you know just makes you feel like you know, I can, I can pick this up in an afternoon. We had to make sure that the game was driven by that rule set, but we also had to balance. We didn't want you to have to know, have any knowledge beforehand. We wanted you to be able to say, Alexa, play Starfinder and just be able to play. And in fact, I think one of the, um, I think it was the the podcast No Direction when they reviewed Starfinder. One of the folks, um, Owen Casey Stevens, brought up that you know rule sets historically for for role playing games has been you know it's it's the way that we achieve the goal you know which is look no, I I just it's want bringing to, order to to yeah, chaos and yeah. that's what Gary yeah. Gygax did is it's like oh there's some you mean we can understand how many dragons there are and they actually the colors mean things right and right. so it like right. helps your brain get around because otherwise it could just be anything right and it helps you navigate that world yeah yeah and so we felt like you know what we were able to to really do with Starfinder is uh, offer an evolution on that where yeah it is, this is not going to replace, like if you have a game already, this isn't going to replace that game. But what it is going to do is give you something that you can engage with in between games. Or if you, you know, if there's not a group near you, it gives you that flavor, that experience without sort of the learning curve. And it, it, yeah. And it's, it's because what's interesting is I tell people to check out Starfinder and they go on Amazon and they type in Starfinder and they're like, this is a, a book or a board game, right? Like the, the, right. we got to do something better about making the Alexa skill pop up at the top. Yeah, um, seriously. But, you know, if you, if you ask Alexa, it'll, it'll yep. pop up on it. Yep. But that gave it for, for, yeah, I mean, some of the people I've, I recommend to are people that I even played D and D, but with back in the day. So they, they get that when they're seeing all this, that it's an actual world. It's not just right. a game written for Alexa too, which is a right. great tie in. I mean, you look back at the, um, Oh man, even the gold box games from SSI strategic yeah. simulator. Remember that yep. was all yep. because it had the tie-in. It was what I was doing in pen and paper. Suddenly my computer could give me exactly what you just said. It was the same uh, agency. It gave me in that, Hey, my group doesn't meet until five days from now to play D&D. Right. right. But man, I have, I have a couple hours to kill. I'm done with my homework tonight. I really just want to like get into the, into the universe and the world other than reading my, my player's guide and my monster manuals. Right. It's like, I want to do something now. And that really helped drive. I feel like the SSI gold box game games really helped drive those worlds back then. Um, uh, like forgotten realms and dragon lands yep. and all of that. Yep. And, um, I think seeing this on Alexa now and that tie in, I like a personal note, like for me, uh, what's been really interesting is, the car, doing it in the car is has been amazing because I get the ability 
like I'll finish a podcast episode, but maybe it's a long drive and maybe I've got the family with me and the ability to like pick up a game and everybody's leaning in and engaged because everybody's there in the car. You know, and it's like you want to be entertained. Yep. Um, and then I've even snuck things where, like, I'll just go continue it when I'm in my own. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the, I, I'm going to be honest, man. That's the first game that I did that. Nice. Right? Like, where, yeah, where I was like, all right, like, and maybe it's just because I love sci fi too, but like, it was, it was, I just wanted to continue without waiting for everyone, if that makes sense. Yep. Absolutely. You know? And so that speaks a lot to, so how did you map, how did you all map that out? Now, the, the basis of the game, my understanding is it's actually based on the module that comes in the beginner book. So you kind of had the story laid out, right? right? And But yeah. it was applying the, because the biggest thing I hear, and I'm sure you hear this, is from developers is like, hey, if I'm going to create this thing, like depending on the complexity of your story, the amount of variables that you have of the different decisions that can happen in order to make this feel like it's not on rails becomes this monumental task yes yep yeah um and and uh, you know <laughs> well i'm gonna actually talk about this at, at gdc in about a month um oh awesome yeah because it's it's what's interesting to me is that from the you know from the technical side there were you know there were some challenges to solve um but we spent much, much more time in design, you know, sort of putting out these hypotheses, testing, iterating, you know, coming back and, and adjusting it because you're, you're exactly right. And for me, what has been really useful has been, um, you know, just early on, I started to think about, OK, you know, wh where can I look to? for sort of inspiration on how to solve these problems. Um, and right. where I've actually netted out is on, I know, you know, some folks think of Alexa as, you know, it's, it's like early on in the mobile game days or early on in the, in the console business. To me, I actually feel like it's 1980s uh, text-based adventures because you have a consumer base that, looks at the device as predominantly transactional. You know, that that's it's a calculator sitting in a nook in the room and that's all it is. And so you've got entertainment companies trying to I'm trying to convince you that you can use that to play this really immersive game. And so we actually looked at a lot of the old Infocom games. And oh, we yeah, also Zork and I, exa exactly. Yeah. And it's and it's like those those companies were solving for the same thing. So, you know, in reading some of their retrospectives, in talking to some of those folks, in in talking to um, Emily Short is an interactive fiction author. She's a creative director among a whole number of things. But she has a really great blog in which she talks about narrative structure. And so we just took a lot of those lessons and actually ended up with, you know, I, I mentioned the, the sort of the fourth pillar of simplicity at any one time, we only give you two options. I mean, that is, that is the maximum. And we've tried giving you people three, four, one. One is too few. Three is too many. Just with voice, two seems to be the, the right thing. But we'll spend hours and hours and hours figuring out which are the right two choices to give you where you feel like you're making a real decision. Um Right, right. Because really, really important. 
there's the perceived empowerment and freedom, but then there's the actual choice. What is the actual choice that you want to make? And it's super interesting that you said like Infocom games and that transactional, right? Like Alexa being perceived as transactional. That makes sense because back then everything was DOS. Right. Uh, in even I remember Zork when I played it on my Commodore Amiga, it was still the Amiga CLI. Right. And so you were actually launching this thing from a command line interface. Right. So you exactly. were looking at the computer as very transactional. I'm going to enter a command. It's going to give me some text. And then there's some other commands that I can do. So I think that's in a, a really, uh, that puts a light bulb in the, uh, analogy that you you created there um but what what i gotta ask is like i would love i don't know how much of this you can share but i would love to see like your ipa for what that looks like like is it because when you said two seems to be the best is two the same across every region and locale Mm. um is it you know like how verbose are people expecting to be and then i would be super interested in what is the demographic of people who have also played like um, the first time I play this, right? Maybe my, and the IPA will show this is that um, maybe I am very verbose and I try out every single thing, but then as I come back and now I'm a player, uh, you know, it's, it's from the very beginning. We always said like, Evolve. Alexa is evolving. So evolve your conversation dialogue with that actual person. So if they've been conversing with you in your skill for three years, that's going to be a different path than somebody who's been doing it three seconds. And so what would be super interesting is to see over time, like even coming in and saying, how uh, how are you an advanced? You know, because every game's like this. I was just playing every game. it's it's easy, hard, difficult. I've been playing uh, Dead Stranding, and it's like yeah. I'm gonna put that on very very easy because I just want to like kind of get into the world in the beginning. And then once my brain can actually grok everything that's happening and is really enjoying the story and the lore, then maybe I'll go back and play it at normal so that the actual mechanics get more difficult, right? Right. right. And so I can in a, in a voice conversational kind of experience, I think you can break that same thing too. Is there story narrative which gives you some of the agency, but the simplicity is in the game mechanics. Yep. And you've got you've got some brilliant ideas around, well, what does the game mechanic mean today in 2019, 2020 for your typical Alexa user? What's the expectation and how do I actually guide them so that they feel like they're making progression within this narrative? Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, interestingly, what, what, what I've seen, um, and there's a, I mean, there's just a fascinating, and this is anecdotal. I, I don't have, you know, uh, a, a study backing right. it, but so, you know, observing my children. So my children are, you know, uh, tried and true beta testers that, you know, they will test every build. Um, when we beta test with, uh, you know, with the community, especially with, with folks who are new Alexa users, they start with um, single, like well-articulated single word answers, you know, uh, fight, run, you know, uh, uh, t- right. talk, yep. heal, you know. Um, and and then gradually, as as Alexa, and and as you know, this is this is completely around how robust is your voice model, and and how many you know sort of utterances, synonyms, etc. As they go on, then they'll evolve into you know multi sort of multi turn answers, and and uh, or you know entire sentences up and until the point where it doesn't handle 
what they say, and then they'll dial it back a little bit. And what's really fascinating is that my children go the other way, where they will just say whatever they want, and they don't seem to, they don't, it, it doesn't seem to constrain them if she doesn't handle it because they already know that they can just try again. It's just this, it's a fascinating dichotomy of, and drives the design of, of how we handle um, what's the sort of exhaustive list of utterances that we, you know, are going to look for in any one choice. Um, it also drives some really interesting mechanical choices. And, and you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head already of this casual experience bringing you up to speed. We don't want to overladen, overburden you with details. That's that's one type of player. But then we've got this other type of player who's, you know, more like you, very familiar with, you know, if I say, you know, I'm, I'm, we're going to roll a D20 for a perception check, you know exactly what that means. But oh, yeah. someone who's just coming in because they like sci-fi, they don't really crock that detail. And in fact, that detail may, that, you know, that may hit them as, oh, this game's not for me. So one of the things that we did in, in Starfinder, which was <laughs> really uh, took a long time to actually get right, is when you first go through the game, we say, okay, um, you know, either Alexa can roll the dice for you or you can roll your own dice. And that's, that is a nod to the community of if you're a person who's got D20s, you know, sitting around, you can use them. Otherwise, if you're on the go, she can just roll for you. Well, three turns That's later, awesome. I was just going to say that just three turns later, we give you, we say, hey, do you want to turn on fast mode where all the rolls will happen in the background and we'll just tell you the results. We get a lot of folks who, who go into that fast mode and it is a, it's a less obvious way of us trying to serve both a casual audience that's in it for the narrative and a hardcore audience that wants that that detail they want that they want to make the roles they want to hear all the details and you know what's great about that too man that is proven history because that's bioware with the infinity engine going back to like boulder's gate yep is that you had the same ability to show dice rolls right and i remember the first time i played those games because it was dnd i wanted to see every role and i didn't trust the game engine right and then eventually you just turn it off right and you just enjoy the story and the actual experience but the fact that it was there and it was happening underneath and taken care of for you because i mean depending on your like how much um how much pizza and alcohol people have had and how long you're in your campaign <laughs> totally. to get through one turn of inif- initiative checks and dice rolling is a long process, right? <laughs> Whereas the computer, you're like, all right, let's just get the show on the road, you know, right. and you're typically playing alone. So that's that's a great approach. I love that. Yeah, it's, I mean, we just figured out that it's you, you for us, if we want the experience to be delightful, We've got to find ways to just to meet folks where they where they are, because we've, you know, and I think you you talked about a little bit with the car of, you know, we see people playing in the car. You're not going to have I mean, we don't recommend play, rolling your own dice in the, you know, while you're driving. Uh, always have Alexa drive roll for you if you're playing in the right. car, um, you know, but then we've also, you know, we see people playing when they're making dinner. Um, you know, players tell us, hey, yeah, I love I love playing it around the table. I love playing it while I'm on the commute. I love playing it while I while I make dinner. Then we've also got players that say, yeah, I, I'll sit down 
and I'll play for 45 minutes straight through. I'm rolling my own dice. And so we got to be able to meet people where they're at when they want to play. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? Like, you can also switch modalities. You can switch gameplay styles. And so um, I've seen game developers who have created, like, think of, like, sci-fi where, um, let me give you a good example. Remember, like, back in the day with Chris Roberts, um, when he had all the Wing Commander series? And in the Wing Commander, there was another game I played called Privateer. Yeah. And so yep. suddenly like I could pl- I, it was the same universe but one of them I'm transporting cargo and help me building my ship and I don't have a lot of money versus being somebody who's part of a naval fleet and I have the best fighters and I'm at war and and so maybe a car experience becomes a different type of modality for that gaming versus if I'm at home in my desk you know and right. so we can we can test that based on the APIs where we can detect what kind of device it is. And it can, so it could be like, you know, even, even detecting that there's a screen there, maybe I want to show, and I, and I, I, I've seen this with, um, Starfinder where I'll see some of the cool graphics and stuff like that. Right. It's like, if I've got a screen, Oh, maybe I'm on a TV. Um, you know, so I want to display other things like that. So it's changing how you're actually operating exactly. Like you said, as you know, I don't want you to turn on dice rolls when you're driving. (laughs) Um, those, those, (laughs) Those kind of things. But I'm also continuing my character progression with what I'm doing. It's like you see this a lot with mobile games where you can um, – even uh, there was a and d game, um, Neverwinter Nights. Uh, not the actual Bioware Neverwinter Nights, but it's uh, I think it's from Cryptic Studios I was playing. Um, and they have a browser app where I can actually go through a and d dungeon and I'm getting – it's basically like minuscule stuff. It's like crafting items and other things for my trade skills, but I'm still like part of that. And I can be doing that when I'm not at home and I'm not gaming in front of a TV or anything like that. You know, you're making progression as you're coming across in these different modalities. So what other things have you, can you share anything coming up? I don't want you to spoil your GDC talk, but what other things have you like learned through this process that as you've built this and as you've created those four pillars, where are customers really responding? And I'm I'm going through the the uh, Starfinder reviews right now. It's just awesome to see some of this. Um, where do where, like if I want to get into this as a dev, like what are some of the big lessons? It's almost like you need to title your GDC talk "Things I Wish I Knew" in voice <laughs> games before I start it. You know, like because that's what people always want to hear, right? Yep, exactly. What are the mistakes that you've made, and what's what do I need to know going in? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I think you know a couple just off the top of my head is, um, you know, you got to get started on the you know using you know the Alexa Skills Kit you know, the SDK, um, you know, yep. and you really have to understand the platform and, uh, you know, or, or Alexa as a, as a device, the, you know, capabilities, um, you know, and, and I think where we've had success is leaning into it. Um, so, you know, for example, what we see, like choose your own adventure is a delightful experience because it's only two options. And it's, you know, and they're, they're short, they're interesting. And it's, you know, I, I clearly can understand the use case. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, I go down the mountain path or I should go up here. Um, and, and so, you know, playing 
Starfinder is also, um, you know, similar. Like, I think what what is one of the things that's very important is is looking to the right sort of design model, looking to the right, right. use case, understanding that, uh, you know, yep, like the microphone is going to open, and then we have to handle what that you know what the person is saying. Um, so I think that's I think that's one. Um, then the next thing is, you know, is around <laughs> just that, you know, it's the old, you know, keep it simple. Um, it is, it, it does like, it sometimes it surprises me, but it's the cognitive load for a, for the average player trying to handle three decisions. It just doesn't work. And it's it's not a, oh, like yeah. it's not a it's not a knock on anyone. It it's just it's it is ask in an entertainment scenario for a majority of players it's too much to ask. And we tried a whole bunch of different ways around that, and it's just that is just the pattern. Um, and like you alluded to already, I think similarly having a having a story. Um, with lots and lots of branches becomes unmanageable within five minutes of gameplay. Um, oh, so, yeah. you know, so for us, it's, you know, we, we look at, um, there's the, I think it's called, um, Emily short calls them storylets, And you can see that you search for that on her blog. Um, but then I think they're also called story diamonds. Um, but essentially where, you know, there's, there's a finite number of, divergent choices the player can make that all will will lead they'll, they'll converge on main story beats we tried we tried you know designing around that we tried designing a, a wildly divergent very very customized story it becomes very difficult to actually keep track of implement and then and then test and that would be the that would be maybe my final point is that um <laughs> these types of skills, so you know, specifically, kind of this narrative-driven story content, um, is you know, can be really tricky, especially the the more tricky and time-consuming to QA uh, exhaustively. And so, right. you know, thinking about that, thinking about the end-to-end experience, starting with you know, what's what is the essential experience we want to give the player. And then thinking through that all the way of how are the different ways that we can deliver that, balancing you know the tech the tech complexity and then the QA complexity because you know I don't know how much yeah I mean how do you automate testing cognitive load right, right. it's like, right yep. uh, you know a program's not going to feel anything that the player might be feeling and what's interesting about this too is you got me thinking um, I started to realize this so. World of Warcraft uh, Blizzard released WoW Classic. Right. And so I went back into WoW Classic, and I played that game off and on since it came out, right, in 2004. And what I didn't realize, because when I went back in, what I didn't realize is I changed as a player. Yeah. Which makes common sense, right? I mean, I'm a lot older, and you you view things different. But players, they kind of got the same things. Like, what used to take 
the progression of what used to take people months and years was happening so quickly because it wasn't new. Right. There was already pathways that were built up. And you said something earlier about players may start off and they say, and they start with like single world, single word answers, right? Like heal and, and things like that. Uh, but then they started to get more verbose, verbose. And I think um, a lot of that has to do with comfort level. Like I find this with Alexa, just in things I do, I'll start having long verbose conversation because there's a connection there now. Right. So it's no longer a machine that I throw commands at it, but I'll be like, oh, thanks for that. You have a good day too. You know, like right. it's just a human right. element. And it's it's also when you start to see a player, I feel like who's getting more verbose is that there's that comfort level. And I think that's why you see it in your kids too, because that's the voice generation. Like right. they're just immediately comfortable with this. Whereas we've all been taught, oh no, when you work with a piece of technology, you have to change how you act right. and figure out how right. to work with that. First, is a younger generation is like, no, I'm, I'm comfortable with this and I'm going to talk. And if I need to change it, I'll change it. Like you said, you, um, you, know, you know that you always get a second chance. And so what I think is super interesting is you've got some really great anecdotal data and an understanding because this is what a game developer needs to know is that, yes, that's what works great in 2019, 2020 for these type of devices with the type of experience that players had. But five years from now, we're going to have voice-driven games and players who are looking for more, who have gotten more. AI is going to advance more. And what does that mean? And actually understand. So that is like the, the first huge number one starting point because I remember when I was working in the, in the indie game uh, dev space back in my Microsoft days, it was like you really had to be realistic about what you were creating and what was the audience. And it's, you hit the nail on the head with the simplicity, right? It's like, what am I going to build now? Um, I mean, we can all name names and I won't, um, but uh, that are like dragging on in Kickstarter campaigns for seven right. years because yep. it's, you can't just build everything, right? Otherwise you wind right. up building, right. trying to build your own world. You know, right. you've got to figure that out. And so you're, like right within that zone, I feel like it would be great. And this could, this maybe this is part of your GD suck, but it's almost like a white paper on voice driven games in 2020 is that average cognitive load is this. Right. And customers are typically looking to purchase, you know, things like this. Cause that's what indie game devs not like. What can I sell? Right. And it used to be, you remember mobile games when they first came out? It was one price. You couldn't yep. buy power ups. No, you know, you couldn't right. maybe content, maybe the free and pro version, but that was it. And now that's commonplace, you know, and that I think is because the player base was ready for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you think about like a lot of, I mean, just a lot of the monetization mechanics these days, you know, it's like, you know, if, if in the early 2000s, I came to you and said, well, you know, we're going to do, we're going to have this model where, you know, you get the game and it's, and it's mostly done, but then you're going to pay incrementally for another four or five updates, you know, over the next 12 right. months. I mean, that's crazy at the oh, time, yeah. you know, but now it's like, you know, yeah, I, I acknowledge that, you know, when I get a game, uh, I'm interested to see what the DLC roadmap looks like. And it's part of the, you know, part of my buying criteria is what's the likelihood that it's this an game. Expected service. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Back when there was like no multiplayer. So this, this, this still blows my mind, man. Um, so I just happened to be doing a keynote in Ireland. Uh, and at the same um, time was John Romero. <laughs> nice. uh, and he challenged me on stage to uh, Doom 2 Deathmatch. 
right? And um, and he was very gracious. He let me win a couple. But so when when he hooked it up, what he had was he had two Macs. So the first thing I I busted on him because I was like, oh, you don't have like a gaming laptop, you know? And he's like, actually, I wrote this custom client in <laughs> OpenGL. And I'm like, yeah, let me just like go hide under a rock. Of course, I forgot how amazing you are, man. So he's like, this isn't emulating or anything, dude. This is like real doom. I ported the code. Here it is. So I literally had to um, like terminal in, open a, 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 a IP connection to his Mac so that we could deathmatch. And I was like, I totally forgot that. Like he's like, I we all wrote the first networking Right. code and i was like he's right like you did there was no internet and just a service for fine like xbox live and right we've got right. game circle on amazon like there was none of that it was right. like you had to know the ip address of another endpoint and then you opened it and then that was the most mind-blowing thing right. to actually you know um see that kind of stuff happen and so um who knows in the future right like i um what's a game that i think that's it the best example i can see of this today and it's anonymous you don't know the players real names is a song quiz i enjoy doing that where it'll be like you're playing trivia and i love doing music trivia but it's multiplayer with this other person and that really adds an element to these type of games that's so uh compelling and you could also be you know we see a lot of the other games like um Oh gosh, there's a couple of them now. I believe Clue is one of them. Yeah. There's also yep. the tra- like you know you're playing a board game, but Alexa. There's even a Monopoly uh, one that uses voice too, where it's it's doing all of the parts that were just laborious, um, and you can just ask for that to make the gameplay kind of roll smoother when you're playing yep. multiplayer, right? Yep. Yeah, and in this, I mean, you know, and this this reflects my view so I'll, I'll make sure to you know be uh, crisp about that but especially in the in sort of the narrative driven space when i look at where voice is going uh you know and, and some of that you know i think we'll have to create together but when i look at the the interactive fiction space or you know narrative driven rpg space you know the thing that we can do on a you know on an alexa that is differentiated from you know everything else is that i can give you the ability to talk straight to an npc for you and the npc to have a conversation yeah. and you know i'll be honest you know right now it's it's a very very manual process to get to you know yeah. to get to a place where that's delightful but i'll tell you what um, so we did spend some time uh, on a certain interaction within Starfinder, we spent a whole bunch of time architecting that. And there is this shift in body language when it's, you know, the, the Alexa, you know, there, there's a, a voice actor, you know, narrating this, you know, this character, and he, he directly asks the player a question, and then the mic just opens, and the person just responds. Like, it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's just a very natural, and, and even just watching body language, People would go from, you know, I'm sort of sitting back listening to now I'm leaned forward, like closer to the device. It's this, you know, shift in engagement. And to me, what I, you know, when I think about, you know, what's what what comes in 2021, 2022, like looking ahead, I think it's that type of engagement that, you know, I don't get on a in in any of the RPGs that I play on any of the consoles or PCs, you know, usually I, I just get a wheel, you know, or I, I can choose between yep. 
three discrete options and then one option that's maybe unlocked by an ability. And it's all, you know, and it's all text. And so the ability for me, what I see is this ability to lean into content that's much, much more immersive than other ways that I can consume it. Yeah. And you know, it's like, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pile onto that a little bit. Um, again, just my opinion here, but I think so. So besides increasing engagement and monetization, right. And retention discoverability is always a huge thing right. with these, with these type of things. Right. And so what you're kind of hitting on there is connection. If yeah. we love the story, and we love the characters. Like I still remember characters in that in these Bioware games, right? I mean, there's totally. people cosplay as their favorite characters. What if you could take that character out of that game mm -hmm. and create an experience? I mean, we look at technology today like Neural TTS, where we yep. can create the prosody and the pitch of that actual voice without needing to record all of that dialogue. And when you look at other types of uh, abilities <clears throat> that we're starting to create, like Alexa conversations, where we don't have to write all of the utterances, Alexa right. is actually figuring things out on our behalf. You can imagine in a gaming world, let's say I create a really great hit. Let's say there's like a break. I'll just, um, I'll use Starfinder as an example. Let's just say there's just a really breakout character there right. that you see people. Right. You could actually increase discoverability engagement by creating an Alexa skill that maybe is like have current events or just talk about anything with this character from right. the game, but they're doing it from their perspective. And, you know, some of it comes out funny, like what they're seeing as 2020 as being olden times, right? right. You know, versus right. uh, where they are now in their universe. But you can just like converse with that that right. that, that person and kind of feel um, that that connection there. And that's taking technology out of the game, but it's, it's, it's bringing characters. I've spoken with book publishers about this. I'm like, Hey, the thing that I, I hate about getting to the end of the book, sometimes I'll just start it over again because I don't want to lose those characters. Right. And what if I could continue just having dialogue with those characters? So you right. feel that, that closeness, you could do the same thing within games, you know? Yep. Um, and I think that would be very compelling. And then you would get discoverability from people that are like, oh, yeah, this is uh, – even if it's simple, like this is my flash briefing from this character every right. morning on the latest space discoveries by NASA. Right. right. Like, if it's a sci-fi thing. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, this character's in a game too. Maybe I'll go check that out. Right. You know, there's just a lot that you can do with the, uh, across this. What other, um, what other things have you seen around discoverability um, that you can find? Because I often – what I tell is – people now is exactly just this picture I painted is that, Hey, look, discoverability isn't just amazon.com slash skills, right? right? If you, if you, it's, it's like anything else. If you don't have a player base yet, then you need to build the player base. And that doesn't just have to happen through the Alexa voice channel that can happen right. across all sorts of areas. Right? right. Yeah. And I, you know, for me, one of the benefits of, this project uh, has been just the the, the Starfinder fan base. Uh, I mean, they're just oh yeah, you know, yeah. they're very engaged. They're very passionate about you know about the brand, um, you know. But it also helps us when it you know being able to tap into an existing player base is huge because it it just helps with that you know sort yeah. of word of mouth. Hey, you got to check this out you know, type of thing that, 
you know, maybe doesn't either doesn't exist or can be difficult to generate, uh, you know, a player base from scratch. And so I think I, I agree with you. I, th I think there's a um, there's an element of of community generation and 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 building a, a player base and not only building a player base, but building a community that has a place to sort of, you know, collect and talk. Um, it's important. And I think that it it is as important as you know certain you know certain certain marketing placements. Yeah, I've seen game developers that have created a wiki and then forums based around the game, especially if it's a complex game. So there maybe there's because that's how I play stuff today. Right. It's like if I need to find something out, I am going and I'm searching for the answer online. And then you'll come across people with YouTube videos of maybe right. like five minute playthrough of a part you're stuck on. It used to be you had a book a thick strategy right, guide in right. front of you, you know, and you kind of played, but now it's very task transactional where if I do get stuck on a part, all of that's coming from a community somewhere. Right. And a lot of that could be on Reddit. It could be on a wiki. It could become uh, on maybe a fan page or YouTube. So tapping into those things um, is, is super important. Yeah, totally agree. So we are out of time. Um, is there anything that you want to close with that maybe, uh, uh, where folks can see, I'm sure the GDC talk will be online afterwards, but it may be stuff you want them to check out, uh, ways to find you online, any kind of closing thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, folks can find me on, um, I mean, I'll, I, I sort of repost a lot of this stuff on, uh, you know, just through Twitter. Uh, I'm at one Chris Morrow, um, I will be taking the GDC talk uh, and turning it into a medium post uh, just so that, because oh, nice. I know that, you know, some, some of this stuff is, you know, voice centric and has been stuff that I've been wanting to, you know, sort of share out to the community as I've sort of seen it happen. Um, so, yeah, so, if, you know, they can, they can reach me on Twitter and, and I can, uh, you know, just send you a link that, you know, that you can put in the show notes uh, and, and then, you know, folks can kind of, ask questions on on twitter and uh then you know I, I link from there to to linkedin which is the other you know space that i sort of am so and any other games we, we talked a ton about Starfinder. any like maybe just limit it to like top three or something like that maybe it's something your kids are playing ones that got you excited somebody who's listening to this right now and they're checking out Starfinder. maybe they already checked one out and they're like i wonder what chris would recommend me seeing because you have such a close view of this stuff yeah, so I st I really dig Dopio's uh, the Vortex because I th I th I think it is a, it's a great example of someone who has leaned into the mechanic a, a mechanic that's delightful on Alexa um, and the way that they yeah. you know set the environment and they lean into the synthetic voices and I, I think it's a I think it's really well done. Um, I also you know, uh, so for, for me, I, you know, I enjoy these, these narrative driven skills. Um, I also, I, you know, I really like the Sims stories because I think there's a lot to be learned from the way that they did sound design in the Sim stories. Um, right. You know, so there's this, this concept of, you know, Simlish, you know, which is the language of the Sims. Yep. You know, 
a very artful way of they have a simlish track playing in the background and then they've got a poly voice you know running the the transcription of that really artful way to ah. handle sort of a, a a non you know voice acted or you know f- full vo just i thought that was a, a really clever way of, of dealing yeah with and that. kudos to them because my my littlest one she said it sounds like the sims yeah i so mean that's they, a, they did that's a great a nod job to yeah yeah um yeah and then i mean the if you if you have the game i know it's 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 pretty popular uh the, the board game but we we also a, a different part of our team did Ticket to Ride, um, so the the, oh, yeah. the popular board game, and it does exactly what you were talking about earlier, where it's you know learning to play. It makes it a you know no instructions required five minute experience. Uh, it's it is a lot of fun, and it, yeah, it simplifies all the tasks because something like that. I've always run into that like when I want to play a board game. Not everybody knows all the rules like right. I know all the rules. Right. Right. And there's a lot of like setting up and doing that. And I'm having, I'm in my glory where I'm setting up figurines and cards and stacks of things for like 20 minutes. And they're all like, all right, moment's gone. Right. You know, yep. it's like we just yep. want to get in and play. And that's, and that's great. All right, man. I appreciate your time. This yeah. is great. And uh, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Amazon Alexa podcast. Bye for now. Speak to you soon. It's dangerous to get lost down here. You're about to find out how dangerous. Starfinder. Starfinder is a science fantasy role-playing game that puts you in the role of a bold outer space adventurer. Looks like these wires lead to an explosive of some kind. Exploring the mysteries of a weird and magical universe. You're here to steal our score! Was I supposed to stop that goblin, or...? Through the decisions you make, your character will grow in wealth and skill. Good work. I can tell you've got what it takes to work with the Starfinders. Or meet a grisly end. Cut the yellow wire. Look out!